Hey everybody, it's Greg, Detroit's Love Guru, coming to you live with the Art of Relationship show. We got a dynamic show. I am going to be introducing Brian Miller. He is a TEDx expert, a speaker, teaches speaking, um, just a dynamic individual. He was a magician as well. So it's going to be an interesting show as we talk about isolation, fighting isolation during covid And what are you going to do about it? And some tips and pointers. So pay attention. It's going to be a great show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm going to be bringing uh, Brian right on. Here's Brian, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Brian, and I appreciate you being on the show. It's going to be fun. It's going to be dynamic. Um, Talking about isolation and loneliness big time during the pandemic and how many people are at their wits end pulling their hair out. Well, I have no hair. So looking at those dynamics as far as um, what are you doing to break that isolation so you don't drive yourself nuts and crazy and it makes it worse puts you down in that depressive state as many people know okay so brian i want you to take it away introduce yourself i appreciate you being here man hey i appreciate it greg thanks so much for having me and by the way i think between the two of us we have the average amount of hair so i I, I, I just i (laughs) broke the mold there for us don't make Uh, me jealous now no (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah for sure so so I'm guessing a lot of people are wondering right now uh, why you have a magician on to talk about loneliness and isolation. Or maybe people are thinking, yeah, that makes sense. If he's a magician, he would be talking about loneliness and isolation. Uh, the thing is, I I was a magician for 10 years. I did that full time, started out doing little backyard barbecues for 20 bucks a pop and managed to build my career to touring internationally. And, uh, you know, really, I, I got really lucky, made a couple of smart moves, worked really hard and and got very lucky. And so many magicians, comedians, aspiring artists don't ever get to do what I did. And I and I did it and enjoyed it. Uh, and then I gave a <clears throat> I gave a TEDx talk in 2015 called How to Magically Connect with Anyone, where I shared with audiences how magicians learn to take on perspectives that are different from our own to bridge the gap with any audience anywhere in the world and create magic, create a shared experience for them in spite of the antagonistic relationship of I know something you don't know. And if magicians can do it, anybody can do it. And so I, in this little tiny little TEDx talk in a local high school, it was there was no pomp and circumstance. I just shared a little bit about that, a little bit about perspective taking, and it just, man, it went viral 3.3 million views or whatever it was one of the like first it it wasn't one of the first but it was one of the most viral tedx talks like of all time for a while there and uh and so i started getting invited to speak on perspective understanding and became a human connection specialist and that's what i've been doing for the last six years is speaking writing presenting facilitating workshops for organizations and educators who want to build environments where everyone feels heard, understood, and valued. And so that's who I am, where I came from, and what I do. You almost took my uh, tagline, Brian, when I said about, you know, I want you to feel, at least if you disagree, you feel you feel heard, understood, and respected. You know, yeah. I, I always say, in a fantasy, in my, in Greg's fantasy land, I also like you to feel liked, but it depends on what you disagree on, right? Um, so with 
uh, Brian's human connection experience. This is going to be dynamic as far as helping people break out of that loneliness and isolation. And we know, um, you know, your tips and insights, Brian, as far as, you know, like we're doing right now, the video chat, you know, there's, you know, FaceTime, but I have the better phone, Android. So I'm joking around. <laughs> but looking no, at, so you know, do I. I'm oh. with you. We just turned out. We just turned off half of the audience, but yeah, the rest I, of you I, are I, still here. Well, I'm going to say right place. <laughs> I'm going to say three quarters of the people are going to leave now. <laughs> iPhone users. They're, it's okay. They're off on Clubhouse anyway. Oh, you know what? <laughs> so we look at. They got to bring that over to us. Yeah. But anyways, Seriously. to um, bridge that gap, and you know, how do you feel connected, even through video, through the phone? Um, and we'll get into some tips and dynamics about that and about that human connection, about how do you make each other feel um, connected, understood, heard, uh, valued is a big yeah. tip I go after as well, right? As far as, and now you're not seeing anybody, you're isolated. Maybe you live alone or maybe you live, you know, working with couples and everything and you have the kids doing virtual learning. Um, you want to be isolated <laughs> because everybody's, uh, you know, everybody's stepping over each other's toes and feet and enter, you know, the negative energies are just vibing during the pandemic. So what are your tips, Brian, as far as what you tell people, your listeners to break that isolation, that loneliness, when maybe you're isolated for 14 days because you got COVID or family members or somebody else, what, what are your tips? Yeah, and it's a great it's a great question. I love the way that you framed that too around uh, maybe you're isolated for 14 days, and this is where the same word can be used in many different ways. And part of me, this is my my academic background is in philosophy. That's what I studied, and so when you know when people used to say, "Oh, you got a philosophy degree? What are you doing with that?" I'd be like, "I'm a professional magician." Uh, but the the truth is, it, right? the truth is, what philosophy does for you is it teaches you, if nothing else that definitions, words, they matter. They really matter. It's not just semantics. It's all semantics. Semantics is a study of meaning. And if we don't get our words right, if we don't agree to how we're using words in different contexts, then we get into all kinds of misunderstandings. So you use the term isolation to talk about somebody who might have to maybe quarantine for 14 days. I want to back up on that and say, have you ever been... Uh, at a party. Remember, can you imagine being at a party anymore? But remember being at a party and there's just people everywhere, shoulder to shoulder, but maybe you don't know anybody there. Have you ever had the experience of feeling lonely even though you're surrounded by people? Right? And of course you have. Everybody's had that experience at some point. There's people everywhere and yet I feel alone. So what we know is that feeling connected doesn't necessarily mean that there's people physically around you because you can be around people and feel alone. So there's a few things that we need to recognize. The first is that in February of 2020, uh, Cigna updated their, their landmark study on loneliness in America. It yes. first came out in 2018, which you know, uh, anybody in our field knows this study. It was monumental. And they updated it in February 2020. And at that point, 61% of Americans, 61% feel lonely or isolated on a regular basis. Yes. February of 2020, that was pre-COVID. That's what's really important about that. And that in and of itself was up 7% from the original study. And it's only gotten worse since then. Now, there's a few things about loneliness that we need to talk about before we can talk about potential solutions. First, the impact on your health, right? Loneliness has the same mortality rate as smoking 15 cigarettes per day 
or being medically obese. The same impact on mortality, yeah. lonely. Uh, 50% increased risk of dementia, depression, anxiety, suicide, right? All the, it's not it's not like, you know, when you say lonely, people go, oh, are you lonely? It feels easy to rib somebody, kind of joke about, but it's really serious. And then for the business folks out there, for the leaders, the executives, the managers, it's really bad. You might not think loneliness, like, well, that's just people's personal lives. It doesn't affect us here. Actually, it does. People who are lonely are less productive. They're less engaged. They have lower retention rates. They're twice as likely to miss work on account of illness. They're uh, five times as likely to miss work on account of stress. And they think about quitting their jobs twice as often as people who don't report being lonely, which means... You have a real problem if you've got people at work who are lonely and it's 61% of them, right? It's almost yes. two thirds of them. So this is not only a problem for people's personal lives, for their health, it's a problem for business. You know, it just goes through everything. And so Cigna originally proposed a solution. And the solution was people who report the lowest levels of loneliness have frequent, meaningful, in-person interactions. Yes. Frequent, meaningful, in-person interactions. And for years, I talked about that. That was the core of all of my speeches and workshops. How do we get frequent, meaningful, in-person interactions into our lives? And then COVID hit and in-person disappeared. And so what I've been doing for the last year is I've been working with people to double down on frequent and meaningful. And meaningful is the key one because I think we forget how much we treat people as transactions instead of treating them as people. You know and so that's where I would start. And, and Brian, that's awesome. And the big key word is um, the meaningful, like you talked about, that connection piece, because if it's not meaningful, I mean, we pass pass around, even with couples, you know, talking about our people, how many people, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. And they don't even hear I'm fine, right? It's, <laughs> it's like- white you, noise. Did you re, do yeah. you really care- are you ask me just for lip service, you know, or do you actually want to connect with me and care about that? And I take even, you know, I, I eat, you know, breakfast every day, like everybody, I stop at a local, uh, you know, family restaurant type thing. And, you know, you hold the door for somebody or, you know, how are you doing? And no, how are you doing? You know, don't give me just lip service type of action, but that meaningful, even a, a meaningful smile with somebody can just I mean, light up their world can make them put a smile on their face. Like, you know what? You're actually paying attention to me. And this goes with the communication aspects that Brian was talking about. And, you know, are you actually listening to what you're saying? And we can look at this cuts across all relationships, um, the workplace, uh, definitely, you know, romantic relationships, family relationships, parent child relationships. How many parents out there actually are listening, paying attention to what their kids are saying. That doesn't mean you have to believe them or agree, but are you actually listening to them? Not only the words that are used, are you looking for the nonverbals, you know, the eye moments, the eye rolls, they're bored or, oh my God, they're feeling like they're being lectured. And how many people get upset by that? How many people start yelling at their kids, their, their partners or spouses, coworkers, um, that they're eye rolling. And why are they, do you, why are you rolling your eyes? Oh, I feel like I'm being lectured to. Now, what would you do with that, right? Where would you yeah. go with those dynamics and meet that connection? And are you getting your point across or are you just blowing smoke up someone's booty or that's what they feel like? So that is a huge dynamic. And you touched on that, Brian, about the meaning 
it is so huge. Yeah. And there was something you said that was really important there, Greg, which was you said, I might not necessarily agree with you. Oh, yeah, you might not necessarily agree. In fact, you're not going to agree with many people no. much of the no. time. That's that's what makes life so interesting and what makes relationships so exciting, whether they're personal or professional, is that you're not going to agree with people because we have different individual, unique perspectives and backgrounds and cultures, religions, ideologies, all these different ways of moving through and seeing the world. But the critical thing for me is that human connection is not about agreement. It's about understanding. Connection is about understanding. If you can reach a shared place where you where you can look somebody eye and say, I hear you, I see you, and I'm here for you, even if we don't always agree, that's where real connection begins. That's where real relationships are formed. And let's face it, how much of a different place would this world be, right? Instead of that right or wrong, you turn that dynamic, you know, right or wrong, tit for tat, back and forth instead of an understanding. You know, I get you. And I, I talk about this all the time about, you know what, I accept you. And, you know, yeah. when I worked for Chrysler years and years ago, you know what, it's, yeah, I do accept you. I accept you for who you are. That doesn't mean I have to agree with you. That doesn't mean I want to connect with you or live that lifestyle, right? So you don't even have to like them. No? You don't have to invite no? them over to dinner. You don't have Not to connect with them on Facebook. <laughs> you can you don't have to do any of those things. It's simply a recognition that somebody's got a different way of moving through the world than you. And and what we're not talking about, and I always have to clarify, because in the last year or two, things have been really divisive, especially in America, but many places in the world. Yes. It doesn't mean that you have to support somebody who has hateful views. You definitely don't. No. But what you really ought to do is at least try to understand where those hateful views are coming from. But if you can't understand where those hateful views are coming from, you can't have a conversation about it with them or with anybody. You can't make things better. You can't you can't do anything if you don't actually understand if all you do is go you're different than me and I'm I'm out. Uh that doesn't get you anywhere. Uh no. in, anywhere in in public or or in private. <laughs> there there is a, a Amanda listening in. Mention about, you know, song lyrics, you know, kids listen to and it's it's funny how many people uh what makes you connect to a certain song is it the words is it the lyrics is it is it the music behind it um that you really relate to and it's ironic how many people actually try to relate to one another in that same manner maybe not that dramatic and we know we're all busy it's not going to be perfect 24 7 but i i look at yeah you love this song it brings tears to your eyes it makes you want to dance and happy all this stuff or reminds you of maybe a loved one that passed away in what made you connect with that person? What did they do to make you feel connected to them? And it's ironic how you, uh, what are you doing to connect with that, especially during COVID? And can you make someone connect? Let's face it, like Brian is now with his fantastic voice that I want to steal. But you look at, you know, the, the, he's got that professional radio voice and my squeaky old voice, whatever, going through puberty all the time. <laughs> you know, it's not as crisp, right? Um, I own it. But what do you do to connect, even if you don't see people, even if you're not, um, yeah. you know, face to face? Are you able to connect with even, say, eye contact, even through the camera? It's ironic. Even you have great media personality, right? Um, we could talk about, well, Jay Leno, that might be sort of 
<laughs> Jimmy Fallon, let's go with him, right? Um, <laughs> that they connect with the audience and the people through that eye contact, right? Yeah. They sort of relate. You can almost, in their eyes, you can feel the words that they're saying with meaning, with um, that connection. They really want to connect and they're speaking to you directly, even though they're speaking to the camera, right? So what are tips that you would yeah. suggest, Brian, that you recommend to your clients, you know, your people? Yeah as far as connecting even through the video mechanisms that we that we're forced to use now no it's so this is a really good question so let me do a few because we've kind of done mindset now which you know you always have to get right first but it's not all it's not only mindset i think there's too many coaches and gurus out there that are like everything is mindset no mindset you have to be in to begin with but then the techniques matter the 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 strategies still matter you can't mind self your, your mindset your way into everything so now we've got the mindset right which is essentially human connection is a gift it's a gift you give to other people in an age where everybody feels alone distracted yes. Isolated. So, okay, so this is first, which means you know that if you feel that way, if you've ever wished, oh, I wish somebody would reach out to me, there's a lot of people you know that are wishing the same thing. So you get to be this person now. Instead of waiting for them to come to you, be the person who gives the gift. So that's our mindset. Next, you mentioned eye contact. This is so interesting. You've discovered this. I've discovered this. I'm guessing many people watching, listening to this right now have discovered this in their own way over the last year. The biggest problem with eye contact virtually is the camera is not the same place as the screen. Your face <laughs> is on the screen. Now watch what happens. This is, this is the, I, I hope everybody who's watching this and Go not ahead, just listening yep. is going to love this. Ready? So. Nobody even noticed that I'm really good at doing this because I, I do this for a living. Don't Correct. feel bad if you're not good at this. But watch what happens when I actually look at the screen. Greg, this is the first time I can see you the entire conversation. Right? I didn't even know you had a red shirt on. Okay. But the second I look back at the camera, you yep. immediately, and anybody watching, listening to this feels connected with me immediately because this, for some reason, the eye contact virtually makes it feel um it makes it, it makes it feel like i'm just here for you and the key yes. to doing this kind of connection when there's many people watching especially this isn't even a zoom call i can't even see the faces on the screen if you're watching this and you feel connected with me if you feel like this is somehow personal for you the reason is it is personal for you because you're sitting by yourself watching this and i know that you're sitting by yourself watching this which means i'm in my head, I'm not speaking to 20 people, 200, 2,000 people, whoever's out there right now. I'm no. speaking to one person times 20, one person times 200, one person times 2,000, whoever it is. And that's what great broadcasters of the traditional media did. And I, I learned this lesson because on my podcast on, uh, on Beyond Networking, I had on Jay Reynolds a couple of – woof. Jay Reynolds a couple of uh, uh, seasons ago, and he is a uh, he is the voice of ESPN Sports Center Radio. Yes. And he lives right here in town, and I used to teach his kid magic lessons, and we're good friends. And I got him to come over, and he is this like literally millions of people worldwide know his voice, but have never have no idea what he looks like because for right. twenty years. He's been the voice of ESPN Sports Center Radio. And I had him right here in the studio sitting on that couch. And I said, Jay, how do you connect with people? You can't see them. You can't hear them. You're sitting in a studio by yourself. And he said, I just imagine the person 
who's driving at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m., you know, trying to get to wherever they're going, listening to this. I just imagine trying to delight them, trying to have a one-on-one conversation with that person. And so that's the secret to doing it in the format we're doing right now. But when you're doing it one-on-one, when you're trying to connect with somebody personally, so like there's two levels happening right now, Greg, right? So you and I are having a connection, a conversation. Absolutely. And we are having a connection conversation with the audience. There's two different things. And I have to be mindful of both, right? Like right now, I'm feeling like I've talked just about long enough where it's time for me to hand it back over to you, even though I have another point. So my brain is going, how do I hand this back over so you can toss it back to me? We're playing catch for the audience. Right Absolutely. Now. And this is just like a, you know, a, you look at a regular conversation and how many people are, you talked about mindful, Brian, and it's looking at, and I love that camera aspect. And it's funny. And I, this analogy too, how many people, and I hate getting my picture taken. Okay. They glare off my forehead and all that stuff. Right. Let's face it. <laughs> so you look at, you know, bounces back, you know, the camera person gets blinded and stuff, right. With the flash. But when you take a picture and someone tells you or professional photographer, or hobbyist, whatever, what do they tell you? They tell you to look at the camera, right? Don't look at me, look at the camera. So Brian, you mentioned that it's crucial, especially with, you know, you want to pay attention what's going on, you know, looking at the screen and you think you're talking, but the other person, are you even looking at me because you're not looking at that camera? That is crucial. Okay. So you look at, you know, the communication, the connection, Brian and myself, uh, you know, are having or trying to have, and then the audience. One thing too, about meaningful conversation is one thing about me. I'm very genuine, very authentic. I'm very real. My clients know people that know me. Uh, I know a lot of people all over the place. I'm flattered by that. And they know I actually care about what you think, what you feel. And that is a message that, you know, even connecting and people connecting with you, how many people even virtual that they're so busy, they're not even listening. We touched, tripping over my tongue as usual that we, you know, we touched on that at the beginning of the show that um, how many people are actually listening? Even, you know, we're doing all this here and here, talking virtually on your phone, doing, you know, all this stuff while you're trying to have a communication episode, if you will, or a connection through virtual means that you're on your phone, you're checking this, kids are all bit, and we know that, right? But how many people are actually paying, oh, I don't have to worry about the connection. I don't have to worry because I'm virtual. They can't see this anyways. How many people are actually paying attention to that connection that, you know what, you actually care what that other person has to say, be it, you know, a best friend of yours in another state, another country, um, next door because of COVID. Who cares, right? Your kids, grandkids. It goes all across the board. Business relationships as well that you actually care what they're going through and it's not just lip service right it's not just in yeah. more near out the other so that when you're talking about you know brian mentioned at the beginning about meaningful connection that's what i'm talking about that you and maybe i don't know if that's what makes me good at what i do i don't know but i actually care about my clients. I care about the people I serve and I actually, you know, what they go through, what they feel that matters to me. And the more you implement that to the communication aspects, especially the loneliness and isolation, you have to remember maybe you're lonely. Maybe, you know, I'm using the word isolated. Let's go with loneliness. Okay. That you're lonely 
Um, and even, you know, Brian mentioned this and I love that, um, you know, you could be in a room with 5,000 people and feel alone. Couples, I ask people all the time, would you rather feel lonely and be alone or would you rather be in a relationship and feel lonely? And again, it's not a right or wrong answer, but it's an answer that needs to be addressed. And how many people want to tell theirs, I'm lonely, I'm lonely, I'm lonely. But the person you're talking to, what if they're lonely too? Do you ask, is it all about you or are you inquiring about what that person is also going through too? And we look around us, we have people, maybe you're one of them, look in the mirror that maybe you're one of them, that it's all about you and what you think, what you feel, what you feel, you know, what you're going through on a daily basis. But are you also asking that person what they're going through? And in your experience, Brian, as I hand it back over to you, how can you relate to that? <laughs> yeah. For the last year, I remember at the beginning of COVID, for the first few months, every single conversation was exactly the same, whether it was on Zoom or on the phone. You get on with somebody and you say, how are you? And they go, hanging in there. It was the exact same conversation every time. And what I started doing is I'd say, you know, you know, how are you? And they'd say, um, I'm, you know, I'm good. You know, they do that thing. And I started doing this every time I go, that's awesome. How are you really? And you would watch people immediately become a real person again. They would immediately because nobody had expressed any interest in how they were actually doing in months. Right. I could, I, it would be a stranger. It could be a prospect. Somebody just called me interested in maybe having me come do some event for their company, a keynote, a workshop, whatever. We've right. never met from anybody. We have no pre-existing relationship apart from they've seen my TED Talk or whatever. And I get on the phone and they'd say, hi, it's Amy. I'm from this and such company and whatever. We're interested in maybe having you do a thing. And I'd say, hey, Amy, it's so nice to meet you. How are you doing? And she, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's weird, but I'm good. And I'd say, that's great. How are you really? And all of a sudden, this woman, Amy, this generic woman I'm talking about now, this woman, Amy, who's never had a real conversation with me in her life, would instantly start telling me all the things that have happened in the past few weeks. My grandmother passed, and then we couldn't yes. have a funeral, and then the, this happened, and the, and the kids are driving me crazy, but I'm trying to help them. And, the, and it's like, that just tells you, I was, I'm basically a stranger, and if they're willing to give that kind of information, how desperate are people for connection, for a real conversation, for something that's not just white noise? You, you mentioned like 15 minutes ago, and I didn't want to interrupt you, you mentioned, uh, you know, you say to somebody, how are you? And they just kind of go, I'm fine, or whatever. Have you ever asked the wrong question and gotten the, the, right, the right answer? Have you ever said like, oh, what time is it? And they go, I'm fine, thanks. And you just both move on with your lives because it didn't matter. <laughs> That, that role, the point. Robot, right? That robotic, mechanical, <laughs> um, conditional yeah. response. And, it, it, you know, it's ironic how many people, and you look at, you know, I, I love how you mentioned that, Brian, that people just, they become that real person. And you actually see, I, I see it on a daily basis, you know. They said, oh, I'm fine. I'm And they're saying the words, but their body posture, their eyes are telling you they're not yeah. fine. And it's funny when, you know, you know what? Quit bullshit me, you know. I know what's going on. You know, talk to me. I actually yeah. care. And they just melt. You know, like Brian said about becoming a, a real person. And, you know, they just melt and they feel safe. And it's ironic how many times, a lot of times, I, I'm I bet you over a thousand times over the years I've been doing this, that people get upset, one partner or the other, that within five, ten minutes, they tell me something that they've been holding on to. For 20 years, 10 years, 15 Brutal. years, 30, 40, whatever. 
And the other person, their partner gets so pissed off. They get so upset. Oh my God, how can you, this perfect stranger, and you're telling them, how come you couldn't tell me? And I said, that's a good question. What are you doing to make it safe that you can talk about anything? And, you know, even if you don't, like you said, we might not agree on everything, but what do you do to make it safe to hear something that might not be so pleasant that might, let's face it, hurt our feelings, piss us off, that type of aspect? Are you able to handle it and care what that other person is saying? Or do you get defensive? Once you get defensive, what you don't even have to say a word. Your eyes will tell you that. Where does that meaningful conversation go, Brian? Right? Where does that, yeah. or does that just end or does it progress? You know? Yeah. So, so this is, I, I'm going to tell you a personal story now. This is a story that I, I don't think I've ever actually told on an interview. It's in my book. Uh, so I know I'm allowed to tell it because my wife already gave me permission to write it into my book, which means I have That's important. But I, but I don't think I've ever actually, because usually I'm on business podcasts and stuff like that. Right. So here's a personal story that I hopefully will help drive this point home. Uh, my wife and I have had really one significant fight in our entire relationship, and it was very early. It was in the first three or four months of our relationship. What'd you she, do, Brian? Exactly. That's <laughs> exactly right. So so this is this is exactly what happened is is she she kind of exp exploded at me one day out of, and she's she's a quiet person. She's not like that. She kind of exploded because I had interrupted her. And I didn't even know what she was talking about. And I said, I, that's what I said. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, you're always like you talk over me like you stop like you 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 interrupt me, you whatever. And I, I immediately got defensive, right? Because what first happens is in that moment, we started to talk about it and we realized that we were coming at it from completely different perspectives and that I'm from an Italian family. I'm sure you can tell. I'm from an Italian family on Long Island. Long Island Italian, half my family Long Island Italian, half my family Long Island Jewish. Uh, so We're fully neurotic, both sides. Neurotic, obnoxious. That's right. Proud. That's right. I'm being so we're so we're allowed. No, seriously though. But so what happens at at a family dinner in an Italian family is that it's just a shouting match to see who can talk over. And I didn't think anything of it. That's how my family is. We all it's just normal. yell over each other. Totally normal. And when somebody says something that gets you excited, it's almost like a compliment to like jump in and tag off their point because it got me excited what you just said. It's I wanna I wanna continue that thread. And and so she said being an introvert, and I'm not, I'm not, right? I'm a classic extrovert. She's a classic introvert. And she said, here's the thing. Was that, was that the YouTube delay? I've done that before. No, that's, that... <laughs> yeah, well, it's my fault. Yeah. No worries. So, so it's funny. It was just funny that you interrupted me as I was talking about interrupting. So I, uh, <laughs> <My apology. laughs> so she, uh, she told me, you know, as an introvert, she really picks and chooses when she wants to to say something. She doesn't do what extroverts, what I do, which is I figure out what I'm going to say as I'm talking. I create as I speak. She waits. She sits back until she feels like she has something to say. And what happens to her, she said all her life, is that people like me in the room and the extroverts, the loud ones, we never give her a chance to get to say anything. By the time she's finally decided something she has to say is worthwhile, the conversation has moved so far on because we all talk too quickly that she never gets to say anything. And if she does get a chance to say something, somebody like me interrupts her, cuts her off anyway. So what even is the point? 
And so what happened in that conversation is she explained to me why she was so frustrated by something that I thought was just like a, almost a compliment. It was a normal way of communicating. She understood that I didn't mean anything bad by it, that I was that it's a normal way for me to speak. And I actually meant I was excited by what you just said. And we agreed like in actual words, we made an agreement. She was going that I was going to do my best not to cut her off as much as I could from then on respecting how she feels as an introvert. I was going to do my very best and she was going to be understanding and patient with me if I goofed that up sometimes because that's how I'm used to being. And we've never had that problem again in our entire relationship. So that is, to me, a great example of we didn't agree, but we understood. And by understanding, we were able to make things better. And it means that when we do screw up, either of us in the future, we both remember that understanding. And so we're forgiving of each other because we have the the, the shared foundation. And Brian, that's no, it's phenomenal. And I'm glad you were able to do that. And that's where that's where I try to get uh, the couples big time, well, people in general, couples primarily to get to that point and how, how often are the perceptions maybe not accurate and how they're delivered, the voice tone, um, let's face it, facial, you know, the nonverbal aspects as well. And, yeah. you know, you look at, it turns into that right or wrong, that tit for tat. No, no, no. You know, why are you mad at me? And, you know, why are, you know, that's where I talk about questions of care and concern. I do it often. You know, ask, why are you mad at me? Why, you know, what did I do to hurt you? And it turns into, oh my God, they actually care what's going on with me. And all of a sudden that anger sort of dissipates, hopefully. And then you can talk about it because you're showing again, that meaningful connection that you actually care what that person is going through. And it could be based on mad because you, oh no, that wasn't my intent. You get me? Like you, Brian, it wasn't your intent. Well, you're saying this now. It wasn't your intent to be rude or me to the way I'm, you know, but right. she took it that way and it, oh my God, here we go again. And it blows up in that tit for tat and it escalates go because you're not paying attention to each other and trying to learn what each other's perception was. That doesn't mean you're right. She's wrong or vice versa. It's a matter you have a different perspective. That's okay. But can you learn from each other's perspective and go from there. And it's not a belittling. It's not a criticizing entity. It's more of, you know what, here's my side. This is what's going on now. What can we do with it if this happens again? And that's the big thing. And, you know, with COVID, everybody's stressed. And Brian and I were talking before went live, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, young kids and virtual learning. And I'm sure people listening can relate going nuts, pulling their hair out type of thing. Um, trying to, you know, you have a kindergarten, kindergartner trying to do virtual learning and you're working from home, both working from home and you get mama, dad, dad. And it just, it's, I, my heart goes out to those people. Seriously. It's, it's a lot of work. So it's very difficult to stay, have that meaningful connection because everything is so rapid fire right now. Right. In the media, let's face it, social media, what we're on right now, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Well, actually, they should pay me to promote their stuff. But anyways, you know, everything's rapid fire. But are we actually taking that breath, slowing our exhale to be able to say, man, I want to hear what you had to say. And it's hard to do with the hustle and bustle. And let's face it, the loneliness that we feel, we all want to have a voice. But are we actually listening to what the people in our lives have to say as well? 
And and if somebody's talking to you, there's a reason that they're talking to you. If somebody's telling you something, there's a reason that they're telling you. I feel like we forget that a lot, that we think that people are just talking to fill the noise. And you know what? Sometimes people are just talking to fill the noise and to fill the noise. And what you have to ask yourself is, why is this person talking to fill the noise right now? What's going on behind the scenes that they feel the need to fill that silence all the time? Right. And if they're not just talking to fill the noise, the question is, why are they telling me this? There's a reason they told me that story that that story that you thought was stupid and a waste of time. They didn't think it was a waste of time or they wouldn't have told you. So what is it about what's going on in their mind, in their day, in their perspective that made them want to take time out of their day to share that thing and to share it with you? Right. Because, again, connection is a gift. And when people tell you anything it's it's an opportunity to build on a relationship instead of um you know i i, I recently was speaking uh I, w- I was chatting with um the folks over at second city which is all which is all uh improv and you know they were just talking we, we were talking all about yes and an improv skill which is just such it's such a life skill because anytime you say no and my, this is my friend uh dr uh, deborah gilboa uh she goes by uh, dr g Uh, She's a resilience expert and a family physician, and she talks about that fact that every time you say no, a no anywhere in life is immediate conversation ender. It just it ends a conversation. It it could end a relationship. And so anytime you have – so if you want to end a conversation, just say, say no or some version of no to whatever the next thing is, and you will end it. But most of the time we don't. We don't mean to end conversations. We say no by instinct or we say something negative by instinct. So anytime you can, it's a yes and. Even if you disagree with what somebody just said, you can say, yeah, and then anything they just said that you could possibly agree with at all and then build on it if you're going to respond. That's such that's that's a constructive way to have a conversation as opposed to a destructive very much so. Now, if someone says, "Do you want to? Do you want a divorce?" and you say yes, taking Brian's advice, right? Do you continue that conversation? <laughs> being, being a smart ass, you know. And yeah. you look at those those avenues, and you look at. Um, well, wait, hang on though. You're making a joke about that, Greg. But let's go back to that. Yeah, that, it's that, true, though, right? Because so the the it's answer right? is so. Yeah. So so. The answer is, if if the question is, do you want a divorce, and the answer is yes to that, you can still yes and that. You you can, can you can decide to have a positive relationship post divorce moving forward as opposed to a destructive one. So so that's I know that was a, that was kind of a joke, but like oh, but hopefully you're absolutely correct. Now right. what do we do with it? And again, right. you know, meaningful connection, meaningful. It's very easy, like Brian and I, you know, calm, cool, collected type of thing, or pretending to be. Um, do you, do you look at those, but it's very difficult when, um, and let's face it, COVID you've lost, maybe I've lost, I've known nine people I lost because of COVID, um, and a lot of stuff going on as well. Other deaths I know, uh, that have happened just in the last couple months and with outside of COVID. But when you're going through traumas, you're going through heartache, you're going through, you know, your world got upside, you know, turned upside down job loss and all this stuff. It's very, very difficult to maintain that emotional intelligence and that emotional control to be able to listen and talk. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But even if we over talk somebody, are we able to apologize? Even owning what we do, even though we didn't mean to, are we able to, you know what, own what we do and we're human. And even owning what we do 
that puts meaning to the person we're talking to. Huge. It means, you know what, we screwed up and we care about how that affected you. How many people are good at that? Or let's face it, can get better at that and improve at that just maybe a little bit, right? Everyone. We can all we can all improve and and I'm no I, I'm I'm not some saint that's perfect at this all the time. In oh, fact, the no, reason no. I got into the the reason I got into this career, the reason that I that for me I made an entire career out of out of you know leading the human connection revolution as best as I can, is because I was so bad at it for so long, and it had such a devastating impact on my personal life and my professional life. It held me back in so many ways. And once I turned the corner and I you know, kind of came out of the, the cave to go back to the earlier philosophy conversation. Once you left, you know, Plato's cave and you realize what's possible and how things can be so much better, you know, a lot of people, you know, authors write the book that they need to read. Preachers give the sermon they need to to hear, you know, speakers give the speech they need to hear. And so, you know, I became, I went into this field of human connection because I need a daily reminder about all this stuff. And what better way to remind myself every day than teaching it? Doing it, right? And I love that. And it's the same thing with, you know, being humble enough to look at, are we practicing what we preach? We're not human. We're, we're very human. We're not perfect. And I, I tell people every day, I'm not perfect. You know, you yeah. own that, but I have something that I can help you with, hopefully, you know, and you go from that. And it, people trust you. It's well, hopefully, right? Fingers crossed, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, as well as you, and I know you're busy. Brian, before we say goodbye, I want to allow you, I want you to push your stuff out there where people can find your book, where people can find you, where people can maybe uh, look to hire your services. Where can people find you all over the place? Even if they want to stalk you, there we go. Uh, where can yeah. people find you? Great. Appreciate it. So the easiest place to find everything is brianmillerspeaks.com. Um, it's right there, brianmillerspeaks.com. Uh, you can connect with me all over the the socials. I'm on LinkedIn uh, more than anywhere else. Uh, I guess LinkedIn and YouTube. Uh, my book is called Three okay. New People, Make the Most of Your Daily Interactions and Stop Missing Amazing Opportunities. Uh, this, If you enjoyed anything I had to say today, this is the Bible on everything I just said today. Um so you can get this at threenewpeople.com or just find it on Amazon or whatever you like. So, yeah, and I run a podcast. You know, I, I, I do a lot of things. I have a weekly blog. I have a podcast where I talk to all the cool, famous people that wrote all the books in all of our libraries. You know, Seth Godin, Shama Hyder, and Cal Fussman and Julian Treasure, all the famous TED people. And, Phenomenal. Uh, it's, it's, it's re those are really cool conversations, too, on the podcast because – for what it's worth, those what I do is I bring those people on not to talk about their latest project, but I bring them on to share stories of the the connections in their lives, the relationships that led to their success. So a lot of times you get these famous people telling stories they've never told anywhere else because they have no reason to when they're doing their standard book tours and media tours. And uh, it's a really fun. Uh, so the podcast is called Beyond Networking. Awesome, Brian. I appreciate it. And like you said, people that get somewhere, it's the connections you make. Even people have found me, right? Found you through connections that we make and they entrust their stories to us, their lives, their emotions. And, you know, I know speaking for myself, I'm very flattered. Never take that for granted. Very flattered that people do share their stories and their heartaches. You know, it's big time. Yeah. So I preach, Brian, you've been awesome. Oh, my God. Phenomenal. People, check out Brian big time. 
Um, I'm going to ask him to share his links on Facebook and stuff underneath um, the episode, which would be great. And I'm going to say goodbye to Brian right now. Just hold on, Brian. (laughs) And uh, I appreciate you uh, tuning in to the Art of Relationships show. You can catch me live every Wednesday, 12 noon Eastern time right here on Facebook and as well on YouTube. You can also check the audio only versions all over the place. iHeart, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, all over the place. Okay.